it's time to wish happy birthday to America's favorite radio station. Hey! The Little Ticket turns 29 years old today. It's our 29th birthday, January 24th, 1994. We signed on the air. We are starting our 30th year of broadcasting today, if you guys can believe that. (laughs) No, I can't believe that. That's incredible that we are pushing 30 years old now. That's a hot age. Oh, yeah. For us. (laughs) This is what it sounded like if you were by the channel 29 years ago this morning. Our original morning show host was, if you can believe this, Skip Bayless. (laughs) And this was 6 a.m. that morning when the official start of the ticket happened. It is 6 a.m. on January 24th, 1994. Good morning, and welcome to history. You are listening to the first press of the first all-sports radio station in Dallas history. You are listening to 1310 AM, which will become known as The Ticket. Your ticket inside Dallas-Fort Worth sports. And we were off and running. He didn't get out of the gate all that well. Remember he had a cold that morning, so he was sniffling. Yeah, and our mic setup wasn't the best the then when we started. The <laughs> well, that's still kind of a problem right here. Anyway, the sorry. lineup that original day was Skip Bayless from 6 to 9 in the morning. Then Kurt Menefee, who has gone on to Bigger and Better Things, the host of Fox's NFL coverage. He was at Channel 11 at the time, and he was our 9 to 11 host. And then the hard line from 11 to 2. Our show was from 2 to 5, and Chuck Cooperstein did 5 until 8 o'clock. And our first week, we all did the show in studio that Monday morning, and then we all got on a plane and went to Atlanta for, can you believe this, the Cowboys in the Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills. That's how long ago it was when we started. (laughs) The Cowboys were going to Super Bowls. Yeah, that was them trying to go back-to-back, which they did in Atlanta. And I remember thinking, what a... How great is this? Yeah. We talk Cowboys. They just beat the 49ers. And then uh, off to Atlanta to see if they could go back-to-back. And we did our show from the Super Bowl. First time I'd been there, you'd been there with the Cowboys before, the year before. But, man, I thought that was just incredible. Yeah. So much fun that first week, the first year. Really, all 29 years have been a blast. Skip didn't work out in the mornings. We were moved to the mornings the fall of 95, and Gordo joined the show permanently at that point and we've been a team ever since it's been a great ride the best thing i think about the 29 year ride has been the relationships that we've forged with each other here at the station we've said it many times this is that rare radio station where everybody really gets along most radio stations there's a superficial get along on the air but they don't really like to hang out with each other off the air but that happens here and the relationships that we've developed with all the p1s over the years gotten to know some of our listeners really really well they've become friends pen pals the listeners here are the gold standard for listeners for any radio station around the country everybody tries to copy this we've got the p1s and everybody tries to come up with their own nickname It never really works. The P1s are the listeners that radio consultants use around the country. This this is what you want with your radio station. But radio stations have a hard time duplicating that. 
It's incredible. And uh, even over break, uh, just you know, ran into some P1s, some outside the area, like when I was in Austin, ran into somebody at a coffee shop that listens from Austin every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and several people from around here that just you know, took 30 seconds to say, hey, I've never called in and never emailed, but I listen. I'm there every morning. And that just, it's 29 years later, it's still incredible. And listeners will come up to us a lot and say, I don't want to beat you down, but I just want you to know I've been with you since day one, or I've listened the last 10 years. And I always say, you are never beating us down. And that's the absolute truth. Yeah, It never gets old hearing that you're with us every morning. Or that you've been with us for 29 years. Absolutely. Or even a year. We love hearing that. And, uh, you know, our our uh, warm feelings are right back at you because we couldn't do this without you tuning in every morning. Yeah. I would like you guys to indulge me. Okay. Uh-oh. He's going to sing a song. Okay. No, I'm not going to sing a song. <laughs> I am going to play my favorite audio from the 29 years of us being on the air at the ticket. So everything that's been on the air for everything that's been on the air. Please be more on dog. Please be more on dog. I know that's your favorite, and you can. I'll I'll indulge you if you want to listen to that later. But this is. I've claimed that this is the greatest moment in ticket history. It's my favorite audio from our time on the ticket, and I listened to it again yesterday, and I was just dying laughing. So I hope everybody else enjoys this. This is circa two thousand nine at Ticket Stock. For years, Gordo had been doing the fake Nolan Ryan, and he'd been doing Nolan battling with snow monkeys because Nolan actually was involved with snow monkeys, and so he was our <laughs> headliner that day. Yeah, I latched onto it when we ran into him at the ballpark, and he told this confusing story about battling snow monkeys. Yeah, and then just incorporated it into the bit for years, and it became the the trademark of the bit, the mm-hmm. hallmark of it. That's what everybody waited for. Was what was he going to do that week battling snow monkeys? Well, that day at Ticketstock on the stage, Nolan gave us the three pure, most pure gold minutes in ticket history. I think this is the funniest moment in ticket <laughs> history, and it, the whole thing sounded like a fake Nolan Ryan bit. You did some work over there for U.S. Beef. I know we were talking to you one time. You were big into the agriculture scene here in the state of Texas, and I remember talking to you once about snow monkeys. Do you have a recollection of that conversation? And were you in, uh, were you in a battle with snow monkeys, or were you trying to preserve them, or what was the deal? Well, I was on uh, the governor appointed me to uh, uh, the Parks and Wildlife Commission, and and in one of our public hearings, we had this lady that uh, had uh, tried to protect this group of snow monkeys that came in from Japan through Seattle and they eventually ended up in Texas and they had a compound down there and it was dilapidated and then the monkeys... The snow monkeys? Yeah, it was the snow monkeys and the snow monkeys were starting to uh, escape and uh, they were getting all over South Texas and uh, they were concerned about uh, about hunters shooting them and uh, so... They delegated me as a snow monkey ambassador, <laughs> and I had to go down and uh, meet with the snow monkey people. And uh, so we drive out on this ranch, and and these trees are just there's thousands of them. And they see this truck come up, and the lady that uh, is ahead of the snow monkey. <laughs> We drive up there, and these snow monkeys are all, it's kind of like one, one of these things you see in Africa. They're all over the car and the truck, you know, and, 
And I, she said, well, let's get out. And I said, well, I'm not getting out. But she says, they're all right. And so I reluctantly got out. And when I got out, one of them jumped off the, the top of the truck on my shoulder and was hanging on. And I didn't know what to do. I mean, I was standing there like petrified wood. And, and, and she had these Hershey kisses. And the reason they were so excited is she gives them Hershey kisses. And they sit there and they... They very neatly open it, and uh, then about the time they get it unpeeled where they're getting ready to eat it, another one will come over and knock them down and pick it up and eat it. It was the craziest thing ever. But anyway, they raised enough money, they got a new compound, and now they have have them under birth control. (laughs) That's so great. That's the story of the snowman. Oh, <laughs> and, that, and now I'm an ex-ambassador of the snowman. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Man, that is amazing. <laughs> is that not just, it gets better and better and better, and he keeps introducing crazy storylines. He was so confused as to why everyone was laughing every time he said snow monkeys. But then he, I think, kind of got into it and thought, okay, I've got these people. I'm, really, I'm doing a really stand-up routine that is just and... destroying right now. And one of the best memories of that moment was looking at every other host on stage. Dan McDowell was in tears. Gordo was cry laughing. And then we couldn't believe the gold we were getting. Yeah. God, I love that. And I remember the original time this all started when we were out at the ballpark. Remember they were unveiling something at the ballpark. Yeah. The three of us were out there it was the with museum, Nolan. I think. The museum. Yeah. And we're out there with Nolan. And so what are you going to talk to Nolan Ryan about without just, you know, whipping his ass? And I was the one who had just read the article in the morning news, and I said, so uh, tell me about this snow monkey problem. <laughs> and almost like he did right there, he went off for about five minutes, on. and you guys thought I was insane. Like, what are you doing asking him about snow monkeys? And, yeah, that's where it all started, and I can't believe that all those years later, because that was probably 15 years later, when we had him out there at Ticket Stock when he told the story again. So thanks for indulging me. That's my favorite moment. Out of about a million favorite moments, that's my favorite here in 29 years at the Ticket. Today is our 29th birthday here at America's favorite radio station. Unbelievably, we start our 30th year today. Happy birthday, little Happy Ticket. Happy birthday. Today, which is birthday number 29, for the little ticket. How about that? How about that? 29. I do remember being at KLIF at the time the ticket was birthed. Me and too. a few people, yeah, yeah, a few people from KLIF went to work at the ticket. And it was, you know, kind of allowed a couple of open spaces to try to climb the tiny rung from part time to full time, like the tiny, tiny step of doing that. But no, it was, it was great, man. It was, no one expected it to be the station that it is right now when it first came out. No. And I think, remember being at KLIF, but KLIF was, they were the big boys at the time. And they were kind of patting the tiny little ticket on the top of his head to, oh, look at the little sports radio station, thinking it's going to do something. And they came out with gloves on and swinging hard and worked really hard to get where they are right now. Laid that foundation, man. It was, it was cool to see it. From the outside, because we weren't the same company at the time. Right. And just to see them grow, and then when they came inside, the company saying, that would be a really cool place to work. But still having a, sensing that 
it was a never going to happen. Or if it did, that it would be a long way down the road. Like I never thought I'd end up here, but seeing it from a baby, seeing how they did and went about their business and all that was, was really, really, really cool. Norm, I'm curious your side of this because you were the big sports personality cliff when this came about. Did you view this as like an ex- ex- existential threat or some sort of competition down the road? Or did you sort of just, you know, scoff and think, oh, that's cute. Well, Six months. you know, Sean, I had been part of the startup of HSC. What was it before HSC? Warner Cable. Mm-hmm. And competition was starting to grow in the TV business. And it, it really didn't surprise me. It took so long to get an all-sports station in Dallas. I mean, look at this place. This place has everything. And when the ticket hopped on, I'd known some of those guys well. I'd known Reiner well for a while. And George and Craig and, and the Junes, as he said he liked to be called this morning, I, I admired them. They were raw. They were raw from, just from the beginning of their careers. Donnie, Donnie was raw when his career began. And I mean this sincerely. Still have to check my temperature at times. Look what Donnie's grown into. Kind of cut in the middle. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> we are celebrating the birthday of the ticket. And we talked about this audio in the first segment as we celebrated the birthday of the ticket. And this will have Kevin McCarthy, who who I used to work with at KLIF. And this is going to kind of give you a sense, I believe, of what the big dogs at KLIF thought about the ticket when it first started. I don't remember what year this was. But you'll hear my name mentioned, although you will not hear my voice because board ops weren't on the air when I was working too much. (laughs) Uh, Let's when go I back started to at KLIF. They also <laughs> were paid much, but oh way. my gosh, well, I think that may be still true. But uh, you'll hear Kevin. You know what? I'll just play it. And if we need to stop it at any moment, this is the conversation we had at KLIF about Chris Arnold on the ticket. And uh, you'll hear Corby's voice in this also. Here we go. Hey, earlier, caller wanted to know what about Chris Arnold? What about Chris Arnold? He doesn't wear a rug. But Chris Arnold wears a rug? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He knows firsthand that he plays ball with Chris Arnold. I've seen Chris Arnold's nice, pretty little head many, many, many times, and I'd be willing to bet dollars to donuts that he ain't wearing no rug. Oh, Donovan says he does? That's not a rug. Get him on the phone. Call a ticket. <laughs> Call the ticket. What's the number? 787-1310. Let me call the ticket. I'll get him on. So he's on his radio show. On his show, on KLIF, and just said, hey, call the ticket. Sounds like there's a lot going on otherwise. There's a real, <laughs> real pertinent discussion he's having. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's happening on uh, on Kevin's show at the moment. Okay, did, did he smoke? Kevin, that voice is just... Uh, I think he did. Okay. Before, I don't know how he stopped or when he stopped, but I, I do think he did. All right. So he has a question, and he just wants to call the ticket on his show. Wait a minute. And the question is, does Chris Arnold <laughs> wear a rug? And realizes that he's on the air at the same time, and he wants to call him. Yeah. 
He's going to deny it? Well, we'll find out. Do I have to dial 214 or can I just dial 787? Now, he's going to give a nice we'll jab right when he dials the number. Okay. <laughs> of course, he can get straight through on his show, I guess. <laughs> no busy signals there. Just patting him on the little head. See if you were calling the Kevin McCarthy show. Connie would have answered by now. Those guys over at the ticket, they're a little bit, you know. They're probably out there eating donuts. Oh, let the phone ring. <laughs> Nobody's listening anyway. Wow. <laughs> oh. Come on, answer the phone. That couldn't be a rug. You think it's a rug? You think Chris Arnold? Boy, it is ringing a Mr. Wow. Athletic. <laughs> the ticket. Hey, Kevin McCarthy calling live from your elephantine sibling. Hello, Kevin McCarthy. Who's this? This is Corby. Hey, Corby. Now, why don't you have the hotline number? Um, you know, I'm just out of, you know, date, I guess. Wait a minute. I'm not, in, I'm not clued in. Are you not on the air? No, we're on the air. Oh, we're on the air? Yes. Am I on the air? You're on the air. Oh, hello <laughs> out there, Cliff fans. Hey. <laughs> Let me talk to that Chris Arnold guy. All right, man, hang on. Okay. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't give out the hotline number. Then no, I'll... don't put it on the air, I no. I didn't do that. Hang I'll, on, man. I'll get that to bed later. <laughs> Are we on hold? Let's, let's listen. Let's see what they're doing. Chris, it seems as though they're playing a, a lackadaisical type zone defense. See, if like you listen to the Kevin McCarthy show, you get the best of it. Last night, they just the spent show too and much the time <laughs> at their end of the ice. You know, in other words... Oh, he's talking hockey? Too busy behind his goal. <laughs> you know what? You're absolutely right. It seems as though when they came down on that end, they stayed. They got a lot of seconds. That's where I go to get my hockey information. The Chris Armstrong. Just throwing and the jab other, after on the jab. Other hand, it seemed like they were kind of funny, though. Kind of funny. Time they crossed the center line. Hey, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Just a second. All right, Rick. Hang on. I'm not going to lose you, but hang on. Okay. All right. Let's see how long. Kevin McCarthy? Chris Arnold. What's going on? We're just listening to your uh, hockey talk today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I want to know about hockey, you know you're the man I come to. I don't know that much about hockey. You're, you're thinking, you're confusing me with the higher authority. <laughs> hey. Seen as the, as the punkhead around. Hey, I, I just called because I, I just got a phone call I can't believe. What's that? We're talking this morning about that big story in the morning news yesterday about all these guys on television that aren't wearing hair pieces. They're just... Letting their uh, baldness shine through naturally. Mm -hmm. Some guy called in, and I was talking about how you, you know you rarely see that among black men. Mm -hmm. That you know a lot of young black men you know shave their head. As a matter of fact, intentionally, even though they've got hair. Right. Wondering why that was so. And this guy called in and said, "Well, Chris Arnold wears a piece." <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan is the reason why guys shave their heads nowadays. Right. It's he cool. Is the trend. Right. And not everybody does. Now, I've seen you close up for years. Mm -hmm. And if you're wearing a rug, you're wearing the all-time best ever rug <laughs> I've ever seen. It yep. puts Brian Jensen's to shame if you're wearing a rug. <laughs> but tell us the truth. The producer of K104 is the wig. Hmm? That would be the wig. <laughs> Did they kind you're of not wearing him? a rug? No. I didn't think so. Donovan, you owe me money. Now he's Donovan said you'd deny it even if you did. Threw me under the bus. So you got to tell us if you're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. That and would he, be the truth. That would be the, correct. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you got it from the horse's mouth. So we're we're simulcasting live. Yep. 
Very good. Like I told people, we if you listen to the Kevin McCarthy show, you get the best of the Kevin McCarthy show and Chris Arnold doing hockey talk. At the exact <laughs> same time. Yeah. Outstanding. Okay, Chris. All right, Kevin. Time for a station break. All righty, you got it. Back after the news here on so KLI. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. There you go. Yes. We got Corby, That's Chris awesome. Arnold, Kevin. Him throwing me under the bus, all that wrapped into one piece of audio. Boy, Thanks, you buddy. did get you pitched under the bus. Just, I'm, I'm on my phone, minding my own business. Two hand pushed in the back, right in the middle of the street. I love Kevin. That's great. There you go. Happy birthday, ticket. Happy birthday to us. Yeah, man. By the way, 29. 29 years old. Um, it's the only adult job I've ever had is working here. And it's really weird to think about it. Matter of fact, let's carry this over because I have a lot to say about is that. Okay, Danny. Year yeah, number 29 carry this over because I want to talk about it. All right. Well, Danny wants to talk about it. So let's get into it. It's a very, very special day as it uh, as it should be Dave. up here at the radio station as we celebrate us next station where you could just sit around on your ass all day and listen to it and they would talk sports it was crazy um and i was at the perfect age which i think ty and davy would agree living around here at the time where you know i was still into a lot of other stuff but that is kind of the age like 23 24 where Talking on the radio and in just the concept of talk radio, you start to like go, okay, that's a lot cooler than it was like two years ago. Because there's no way at the age of 19 or 20 that I don't think at least I would have been consuming that at that age. And say what you want to about Rush Limbaugh, but he was that Absolutely. was that was the epitome of his power was in that era too. And I was fully in on listening to him daily and then the ticket yeah and you know i was way into howard stern and just the concept of the talk show became a thing and when the and when the radio station started it was just like oh my gosh i just what a wonderful place and so it didn't take me long to just drive over to mockingbird and central and wander up to the radio station and ask for an internship which i think you did the same thing no actually i I had interned at both Channel 5 and WBAP while I was still in school, and that's where I met Grego. Okay. And so Grego got me Grego, who used to work here, you know, 15 years ago. He, he left, but yeah, so he one got of the first me, guys uh, that worked here at the station. He got me in the door, and that's how I got the weekend overnight board op job, which I think you took over after I did it. Yeah. Yeah, my... That was my first job, was working here weekends, overnight, and it was, I, I swear it was five fifty an hour or something like that. Like, it was nothing. Yeah, it was hourly pay. I was paid hourly for the first probably year or so or oh, two yeah. that I was at the ticket. and But you didn't care because you were in the door and you felt like you were part of something. Yeah, you felt like there was a path. And you had at that point had just gotten out of college, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, I graduated in May of ninety four. So you guys went on the air, and I was finishing up. When and, did you uh, become aware of the of the this station? When you applied, were you aware? Were you honestly the way I got hired? Uh, it was sort of a mystery thing where you didn't even know where you were applying. It didn't say the ticket in Dallas. It said 
um, night opening for a top ten market or something. You know, like the trades will be super vague. Like you, you read that somewhere? Yes. Wow. Yeah. In an actual, you know what? Was it a? Uh, was it like radio and records, like in the back classifieds, or was honestly, it online? No, at I, that point, honestly, the the whole story. Now, so I was directed to the ad. So, so uh, as I think about it, it it started with web TV. So I was in Lynchburg, and uh, web TV was your first way to get on the internet. I guess I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but you'd be sitting there on your TV, and you'd figure out they did there'd be a browser at the top. And uh, I don't know if they used like Ask Jeeves or some really early search engine, but I remember web crawler. I remember searching sports radio, and sportsradio.com popped up, and that was the website of Rick Scott. And so we're going really inside uh, here now. But Rick Scott for years was a sports radio consultant, and that means stations would ask him to basically critique them and tell them how to be a sports radio power because nobody knew what they were doing and uh i remember reaching out to him and saying hey i think uh i think i can make it in this business but could you listen to this tape and uh he listened to it and said i've passed it on to a top 10 market and maybe you'll be hearing from them maybe you won't and I said okay, and then that yeah, was it. And then Bruce reached out to me. And, How long after that? You think months? Uh, I would say Bruce got to me within a couple weeks, but then the entire process of like trying out and then hearing back, and at the same time, my wife and I were so beaten by scraping by on no money and uh, being away from home. That we wanted to just move back home and get real jobs and just live a normal insurance man life, which I'm sure has its rewards. But yeah, my sports casting dreams were hanging by a thread at, by the time I reached out to Rick Scott. So you were close to pulling the plug. Yes, because I was now married, and all I could think of was yeah. my father-in-law, uh, my late father-in-law now. But uh, I remember him asking, you know, you know, and he was really cool, the coolest father-in-law I could ever have, but. He did wonder how talking about sports could support, support his daughter and his future grandkids. And so, yeah, that was on my mind. Like, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know anything, man. I just graduated from college. Ty, where were you? Were you at BAP when this started? Uh, KRLD. KRLD? Yeah, 94. I'd been there for about a year, and I heard about it. And did you, I, were, I mean, you were young enough yeah, was, to where you weren't listening to people going, this will never work. No, 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 no. I wasn't listening to any of that. I was yeah. like, man, this is awesome to be in a city where there's an all-sports station now. And that this was is where I want to be. Yeah, it's like, this is sweet. And you know, I'm going to listen about that. And I uh, bugged I bugged uh, anybody I could for about <laughs> nine years until I got on it in 03. So you knew Craig and George at KRLD. I, I got on at KRLD because they had left. They were part of – there was a uh, – they had left – KRLD and the Texas State Network to come here, and there were openings there, and that was one of the reasons I got a job there was because they had left. And Mino and Ham, were, your dads were both listeners. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, my dad's been listening since pretty much day one, and I would listen in the car, and it was probably with a lolly. Did you think? Yeah. It's, were you like, why are you listening to this crap? Like me? Yeah, no, you think I it loved was cool? it, and, and that's kind of. And I think it's pretty common with with most young P1s that want to get into it. 
the station is just so relatable when you're driving in the car and I would hear you and Mike and then the musers in the morning that you feel like you're kind of part of the conversation. Yeah. And I also liked sports also and wanted to get into something and farts. kind of in, yes and farts <laughs> wanted to get involved with uh after after college wanted to work in something to do with sports but not coaching and it's like you know what I I want to try what they do with the ticket and what was the norm internship connection so I kind of just emailed was persistent I s- started emailing Mike Bassick in 2010 yeah and I heard back in spring of 2010 saying hey when we want one in the summer i'll get back to you and that was right before the uh, san antonio series <laughs> yeah and he didn't have a job the next week so yeah that so you're flat. in so that i waited another year to 2011 and then i'm i was back home because i went to school up in kansas at the time i went to hookie palace at uh at hooters <laughs> and saw norm and got to know norm up there and he passed me along to mike saroy and then Got the internship then and interned in summer of 11, came back and started working part-time like Davey did, overnights, promotions, and st- then started running the board for Bad Radio and the Hardline in 2014, and here you are. Here I am. Just a lot of luck, honestly. That's how we all kind of get the job. Absolutely, dude. It was A timing. lot of luck and timing. What about you, Ham? Uh, my dad was a big listener, so every time I was in the car with him, he'd pretty much be listening to the ticket. It was one thing that we kind of bonded over because he pulled me into the car during a fight night and was talking to me about how a couple chicks with giant jugs were beating the hell out of each other. <laughs> so I, that's the first time I heard him talk like that. So I'm like, what is this? Yeah, this side of dad. <laughs> yeah. But I started listening in earnest carpooling from Richardson to UNT when I was going to college. And then that's when I picked up on it. And then around okay. 2013, my wife was like, or my girlfriend at the time now, wife was like, why are you doing this degree? You're t- you're saying everything they're saying right now and doing the same jokes. You should do that for a living. And that's when I decided to try to do this as a career. Did you always have an ear for the drops? Yes, always, yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. Groobs, Mino, Jer. It's Jill. crazy because there was this pull, you know, if you if you lived around here, grew up around here, whatever, or, you, you know, you were old enough like me and Dave and Ty were at the time when it started where there was this instant gravitational pull that and you know well, do you remember the staging that they did for that whole weekend leading up where they just played that loop, that loop yeah. over and over yeah the ticket and just and just i was like man and my parents told me they go look when i came over here and you know tried to get a job and whatever and they're like you know you're you may be a little old to be starting out just here i want to do this type yeah. thing you know and my dad was my dad was cool. My mom was super leery though. Like, oh, what are you doing? What is, what is? There's not much there, you know. And I'm like, and I figured out about a year into it though. All right, I'm gonna figure out something. You know, something here will will work. I had no intention of ever, you know, like making it a talk show career or anything like that. Um but yeah, just the pull of wanting to be over here and be a part of it right. was always bigger than it being my career. I, I never had a long-term vision for no. my career or my goals. I just wanted to be up here. Yeah, that was it. And I didn't have a girlfriend or wife or anything like you did, so I wasn't living in a dump, which I did, yeah. and he did too, until we scammed the government to live in a nicer place. <laughs> um 
I, I didn't care. I could live in squalor, and it really didn't affect me at all. Like I burned through my entire 20s just trying to work in media because I just didn't want to move to Marble Falls. Yeah. You know, I was looking for Sorry, jobs. George. Yeah. I was looking for jobs out of school and looking for places that would hire somebody with my level of experience. Yeah. And it just it, it didn't entice me whatsoever. Yeah. So I was like, I just got to do whatever I can to try and stay home, stay in this market, and then see what happens. And, you know, good Lord, it took 27 years for me to <laughs> actually stick here, and we'll see how long I stick. But I, you know, I bounced between the ticket and, like, Prime Sports Radio, which doesn't exist anymore. I worked at Channel 8. I worked at some other radio outfit that doesn't exist anymore, and then finally back at the ticket. And then at that point, when I finally bounced for the last time, my fiance at the time, number one, mm -hmm. <laughs> she was like, you know what? Why don't you do something else? And so that's when I got into advertising, yeah. and I made a career there. And then at that point... I didn't need this anymore, and it was kind of more my hobby. Right. But, I, you know, I, I stuck it out as long as I could because once it gets in your blood, yeah, you just... There's something about it. You, you want it. You need it. Boy, it's funny you mentioned that, though, about the radio outfits going out because that that's what I think about all the time is just seriously how blessed, like, when you're looking for a job and you don't live here and that's I, I guess kind of a unique ticket origin story is those of us who are from other markets and it, it's me and Dan I think are there others that weren't in Dallas when they started I at think the ticket? almost everybody in programming yeah. is, is everybody's local. homegrown yeah so but what's wild about that is when you're trying to get out of market 166 which is literally where I was working and they you know they tell you in school try to jump like 25 30 markets at a time what well, do you know how many markets there are or were uh well over 200 okay so you're on the back side of it though. i'm at 166 so when number 5 calls or number 6 calls yeah. did you think there's no way yeah of course and that but that's the other thing though there are so many large market Radio stations that suck and have a format change within six months of you getting hired there. Like, yeah, I didn't know anything about the ticket, and then it's going to be twenty five years this summer. Like, that's just so insane to me. I'll, I'll turn fifty one, and twenty five of those years will be at the ticket uh, if 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 I make summer. You know, sure. no guarantees, <laughs> I guess. But I mean, that's insane. That's you know, just I, I, I guess the the blind dumb luck of this being the place that hired you is beyond words and so i take myself out to the curb and turn around often and ask and tell myself what the ticket has helped build, yeah. build for me i mean this incredibly was thankful beginning middle and end like this is it that's wild this is it there's not there won't be another that i can guarantee um, so yeah, I mean, it's a very, very special place. It has been from the jump and, you know, we're all lucky to have a little, a little piece of it, um, whatever it may be, but happy birthday. Thanks to everybody out there yeah, for sticking with us obviously. for 29 years. Thanks, the to, reason. thanks to the people that make it happen. Yep, for sure. Happy birthday ticket.